0: Jordan is on best. On Welcome to another edition of the Indy Corners Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, and today I've got a, just a quick hitter to cover last night's game before we get into a pregame for the Lakers that I did yesterday with Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll. Um, so obviously, Pacers lost one fourteen ninety nine last night. Uh, I think the first thing that I want to say coming out—it's just one game, all right. I'm seeing a lot of people going uh, kind of crazy on Twitter and uh, saying a lot of uh, unfair, kind of uh, un-un-uncool things to say after one game. Let's let's put it at that. Uh, I think there's a lot that we can take away from this. Number one. Uh, we just showed some of the chinks in the armor that there are with Domas missing. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me looking at this game. Uh, the, the offense and defense are both really missing him, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But just again, just to reiterate, it's one game. All right. D- don't discount the first three just because of one. Phoenix has been playing incredibly well. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is blossoming into one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um Devin Booker played really well. I mean, there's the team just had kind of an off night, and I think we're seeing a little bit of that uh, playing a back to back. You know, obviously two nights before, uh, but that that does hurt you, especially. I mean, again, we got to remember we're coming off of a four month layoff with no basketball. Um, There's there's just a lot to to look at in terms of how these guys are still getting in shape, uh, getting into playing shape. If you want to hear more on that, go listen to the podcast I did with Jeff Stotts about probably, gosh, two or three weeks ago. It feels like a year ago, but you can go back through our backlogs and find that. We talked about fatigue and coming back, and He's he's an expert on this stuff. So I really encourage you to listen on that if you still have questions on that. Number one, the T.J. Warren show uh, ended a little bit. He struggled uh, last night. Or it's a little bit disingenuous to say struggled. I mean, he was double teamed almost the entire night, was getting trapped uh, pretty much as soon as he came up half court and had the ball. Uh, he went seven for 20 last night. But it was it was good to see. He was trying to contribute in other areas. He hit the glass really hard, 11 boards last night. He was playing effective defense. Um, he just was struggling to get it going, which, you know, that, that happens. Teams are going to start keying on him that trapping is not going away. So I think it's going to be really important to see how coach McMillan, uh, how the rest of the guys on the court and how TJ himself, uh, start finding new ways to get him open because they're, they're going to need it. after, you know, the first three games, he's, he's going to be on watch teams are going to be playing him like this pretty routinely moving forward. I would expect. Uh, but I, I still think he had a pretty good game. He had a little stretch where, you know, he started off zero for four hit like three or four shots in a row. Uh, Uh, he's he's still there all right so don't 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 worry don't get like all up in arms on him he he played as good of a game as he could considering it was a couple open shots just did not have the same energy and and pop that he did a couple nights before that happens when you shoot 65 percent from the field to to start off a, a bubble scenario um so you know moving on from tj uh, one of the next things, you know, just talking about missing Domas, looking specifically at the defense, obviously the rebounding is significant. Uh, the team got decently out-rebounded yesterday. But then you also look in terms of just how important Domas is for boxing out. And I think we sometimes ne- negate how important boxing out is for uh for defense, you know. So you look at. I, I saw some people getting a little bit upset with Miles, and I. I, I think Miles didn't play his best game yesterday. He he started off kind of slow. uh really got it going in the second half. It was playing pretty good defense. He was actually playing DeAndre Ayton pretty well. I know DeAndre Ayton's stat line was really nice. Finished with twenty three and ten, and the Pacers were out rebounded by fifteen. I forgot to include that. um But the the issue with not having Sabonis and having TJ at the four uh well the the sons are starting you know four guys i mean cameron johnson is is the same size as tj but when sharich is out there as well you have just two guys who are you're putting you're putting miles turner on an island a little bit normally the way that the pacers defense is going to play there's going to be a guy who rotates over as the low man and you know sometimes we help away from the corner on those pick and rolls and you know Miles Turner is just getting put in a really tough situation, having to guard two guys essentially, and you get kind of caught in between. I think that's largely why Aiton was scoring so well. I saw somebody say that uh, Miles was getting killed in the post, and Aiton maybe went to the post like once or twice yesterday, and Miles blocked one of those shots. It was really just uh, Aiton was operating extremely well as as the role man, and I, that's what was killing the Pacers on the interior um miles is great covering the pick and roll but when again when you don't have that secondary guy who can help box out um it's a it's a huge dilemma i mean we had let up 12 offensive rebounds eight had three of them i believe all of them were putbacks. Sharge had four offensive rebounds um that, that's huge you know i mean domas routinely is boxing out the best rebounder on the other team And it's just, it it really showed through last night in the loss. I mean, it showed in the other games as well, but when you lose, uh, those things become more apparent. So that's just something to to keep in mind. I I don't think we need to get super up in arms about it, Um, but it will be interesting to see how they start to counter it moving forward because the guards have been rotating over as the low men. Uh, Victor has been awesome at that, but there's just the big difference having somebody who's six foot four rotating over, somebody who's six foot 11 rotating over, and uh, so it, I'm not sure if there's going to be any kind of scheme changes. We didn't really run any zone today, which I was a little bit surprised about because there was that uh, that, that one set uh, where they ran a 2-3 and a 3-2 uh, against Washington when the defense was struggling a little bit. I was surprised that we didn't try and run that a little bit. Um, I know the shooting for the Suns is a little bit better, so I guess I'm not super surprised. But at the same time, uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see whether or not Dan Burke starts to flash some more Those defensive looks moving forward with Domas out. Um, so you know, moving from that, going on to the bench, the bench is still really struggling. And as was noted yesterday, they let up a massive run um with a lineup that hadn't played at all this year. And I think that's something that's important to look at. I had somebody in my mentions yesterday who was really upset with Victor saying that he let the team down and didn't uh didn't play well. And I think Victor had a decent game yesterday. You can still tell he's just not fully there physically. And That's again. That's not a knock on him. Uh, Again, go listen to that podcast I did with Jeff Stotts. He thinks it's going to take Victor a full year of gameplay just to get back to whatever level he's going to be at. It's going to take time. It hasn't been that long, you know. Obviously, there's the four months, but to go from playing 13 games, uh, taking a few off because of back to backs, to then going right into this this layoff. I mean, he loses a little bit back, like that. All of these guys did. All of them went backwards a little bit in terms of just where they're at physically, not in terms of where their game's at. And Victor's physicality is a huge part of his game. So you have to look at how that's impacting him. He's playing really good defense. Uh, he he's not as. I mean, he's he got lost on one on ones a little bit, but his help defense has been huge. Um, but looking at the bench unit, I mean, it was McConnell, uh, Justin Holiday, Victor. Uh, Jakar Sampson and Goga and they had nothing it, it was that's not to be unfair but that's just true the spacing is non-existent uh, Victor is he he kind of is more of a rhythm three-point shooter he's not really a, a awesome catch and shooter knockdown guy like that he's good having the ball in his hands coming off a screen and and hitting a shot so he's not an awesome knockdown guy um, TJ McConnell just doesn't take threes, which I mean, he's not a good three point shooter. So that's fair. Jakar doesn't take threes. Uh, Goga actually hit a three yesterday, which was really exciting. Um, but then, I mean, just looking at it, there's no spacing in that, that group. There's one and a half guys who are shooting a three, or I guess I should say two, I mean like two and a half guys. I mean, Justin and Vic and, um, occasionally Goga's going to shoot a shot, but, that that bench just could not buy a bucket on offense, and they let up that massive run. They didn't have anything going on defense. Goga is he's he's just especially in pick and roll, he's getting abused on defense. And that's you know, I mean, he hasn't practiced in a while. He's been out of the rotation he, again. He has not played basketball in four months. He's a rookie. There's so much going against him to be good. Um, so I I'm not trying to hammer that on him, but you looking at that bench, I don't really think it's on Vic. And it's not necessarily on one guy on the bench. It's just a group that's never played together. They did not have it. And I I would be surprised if we ever see that kind of rotation again. When you have two of your biggest bench guys out, I mean, Doug was out last night. Domas obviously out still. You're going to have issues like that. Uh, Unfortunately, they just got magnified to the umpteenth power last night, which was unfortunate. Um, So, you know, just transitioning out of that, looking at Miles Turner, um, I I, I, mean, I know I've brought this up on, on all of the latest podcasts, um, and I, I, I try not to be egregious about it, but Miles not popping a three is becoming a real problem for the offense. Uh, I think the offense really clogged up quite a bit last night. He's, he ended up shooting four threes, but there were so many opportunities when instead of, A, popping a quick three, he hesitated, didn't really do anything with the ball. He kind of looked left, looked right, eventually would move it. And again, I'm not trying to just shit on him or anything, but there's like you, you just see it. There are opportunities in pick and roll where he'll roll to 16 or 18 feet and stop. And yes, he can hit those mid-range shots, but uh, it impacts the spacing of the offense moving forward. So if he was popping to three and was gunning from there, you know, not hesitant to shoot, that would do so much for the offense, and I'm, I'm doing a write-up on it soon, uh, so I'll, I'll maybe be able to put some more video to words as well so that it makes more sense. And again, I'm not trying to tear into Miles. He played a really good game yesterday, uh, maybe the best all-around game out of any of the Pacers outside Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but again, that him popping through, I don't know if it's something that that Nate's doing. You know, I don't know if it's part of the scheme. I don't know if it's Miles himself. I think it's a little bit of both, maybe more a uh, you know, just Miles' mentality, and it's hard to grow into doing something different. But at the same time, I mean, he had an opportunity to probably shoot seven or eight threes yesterday. And it's not me just trying to be all three happy, like Miles has to do this, Miles has to do that. But you just look at it. I mean, Aiden sagged off him for much of the game, did not play up on him until later on, and it was a little bit late at that point because there are a lot of opportunities early in the game that he did not take uh, and I think that's that that hurts the offense overall. And it hurts Miles. I think Miles could do a lot more off that. We've seen him do the pump and go uh, when he's confident, when he has a shot going, when he's willing to let it fly. And guys do have to play off of him because he, he grew into that this year. He really grew that that handle so he could do that. Um, and we're not seeing him do a lot of it. He also turned over the ball a little bit. He's not. I mean, he's 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 running a lot of the DHOs that. Uh, we we normally run for Sabonis, and he's not as good of a ball handler. That's not really a knock on him. He's not a guy who we should be running DHOs through as often as we have been. So uh, it'll be interesting to look at that moving forward and whether or not that will be changed. I do not expect it to because it's been such a staple of the offense. Um, Just kind of going to round out the starting lineup a little bit. Malcolm Brogdon had a really good game yesterday. Finally got a shot going. I think, you know, I've been talking a lot about him getting catch-and-shoot opportunities off of driving and kick um, him getting more open shots, and we finally saw that yesterday. He went 4-7 from three, and a lot of that was because it was off of open shots that he was getting off screens, um, off of just standstill catch-and-shoot opportunities. That's where his, his bread and butter really is with his shot. That was huge for him. He played a really good game. Um, I do wonder, he's really good at driving right side, coming up the baseline, and once he's on the far side of the basket, he does that little uh, kind of he comes up and under uh, with the left hand. Uh, and finally, DeAndre Ayton sniffed that out after he did that for like the fifth or sixth time yesterday and ended up with a block. Uh, I do wonder if he's I'm sure that Malcolm has other moves off that. But during the regular season and and as we've seen in the bubble, that's his, I mean, that's his go to move. So I, I I'm interested to see if teams start to key in on that, especially in a playoff series. Um, look for. You know, with this team potentially playing Miami in the first round, it'll be interesting to see in the two games next week uh, how they start to react to that, especially with a, a great guy in the paint like Bam Adebayo. But Malcolm really had a had a had a very solid game. Uh, Aaron Holiday kind of was—I mean, he was decent today, three of six, but he didn't take it. He didn't take any threes. Um, his minutes weren't like super consistent or anything. I mean, he played 37 minutes. He was out there with the starters, but. What I mean by that, like he just wasn't consistently doing a ton in his minutes. He wasn't touching the ball a lot. Um, The offense just seemed really stagnant yesterday. I felt like TJ was forcing it a little bit, and not in a bad way now that he was trying to be selfish. He just felt like he had to get going for the team, and that's true. I mean, the team really needed somebody to take over, and he wasn't able to because of the way he was being played, but at the same time, the ball's got to not stick, and you got to get the ball to guys like Aaron who can maybe get going for you. just didn't happen yesterday. Uh, but overall, I mean, he played a good game. Good, good defense, again, his defensive rotations continue to be stellar. Um, he he was he had a couple of uh, errant passes that were a little bit uh, questionable. But for the most part, I thought he had a good game, uh, considering, you know, like average to slightly above average game. His offense was, just wasn't there as much as his defense was. Um, a, a, another thing. So when looking at the threes, the team ended up shooting 29. But again, Uh, if you look, I believe it was the first half. Yeah. In the first half, the Pacers shot 10 total threes, which obviously on pace for 20. And you know, that's, that's not consistent. Like you're not always going to just finish with, with 20 because of that. And as we saw, they finished with 29, but looking at it, the team was not trying to key in at all from three at the beginning, or I should say more was struggling to, I think they were trying to generate looks there, but they were having issues making that happen. But when you're not able to get that going in the beginning, and you start just jacking them at the end to try and get back into the game, that's why the 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 looks aren't as good, the shots aren't dropping as well. So it's it kind of feeds back into looking at this team needs to be shooting more threes from the get go, um, and the offense just wasn't there. You know, it, it was it was struggling. Um, also, last thing that just kind of popped up on my Twitter that I want to want to mention on today's episode of the Low Post was Zach Low. Jeff Van Gundy came on for a little bit. And this is his direct quote. Two people come up to me since I've been here uh, in Orlando and say Nate McMillan is in trouble. And Zach Lowe replied, it's been the hottest rumor all season. Um, so I think that's important to, to mention and uh, and to look at. Um, I, don't, I know that Pacers fans have a lot of mixed feelings about Nate, Nate McMillan. Um, I, I think that he's done a very good job for the Pacers obviously there are a lot of flaws in his coaching. I think that, but it's the problem is that the, the flaws that he has are more noticeable than the flaws that he doesn't have. So he's, he's great for the team culture. All the guys like him and like playing for him by all accounts. Um, he's fostered just a really great culture to be part of. I mean, you look at a guy like TJ Warren coming in and becoming a. Um, a two-way player and, and a borderline star. And a lot of that is because of what Nate McMillan has done here. And you look at guys like Bojan and Thad Young was a good defender, but he wasn't a great defender before he came here. And uh, he really bought in on that end and, and into Nate's system. And he became a, I think he should have been an all defensive candidate one year. Um, but my point is it's easy to notice the out of timeout stuff, the late game plays and yeah, those can could definitely improve. Um, But at the same time, I think we do discount some of the stuff that he really does do. I get it. The team has not been out of the playoffs, uh, out of the first round of the playoffs in a long time. And uh, the first year, I mean, Paul George went supernova in the playoffs, but the team around him was terrible. Um, The next year, uh, there was some unfortunate calls that went against the Pacers in that series against the Cavs, went seven games against a team that went to the finals with LeBron James, uh, gave them probably the toughest test uh, in the Eastern conference that year. And one of the, the only game, the only series that LeBron James has played in the first round that went seven games, uh, that team was undermanned was really not like, I mean, they were a good team, but should they have been a second round playoff team? That's debatable. Um, the next year, obviously Victor is hurt and you lose to Boston and, uh, I don't really think anybody should have expected that team to to do much against Boston. I know that there were struggles, but I mean, when Bojan Bogdanovic is your primary creator, you're not going to win games. Uh, Bojan is a good secondary player, but for him to have the ball in his hands, it just does not work. Um, so I think, well, yes, at, at some point, there cannot be excuses. This team has been rampantly plagued with injuries. There have been, you know, at, at times when they may be, could have won a series the roster was not at a point where they were ready to I just think that's important to look at I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, I'll, I'll definitely be you know feeling out today to see if I can get some more information on it but at the same time uh, just keep that stuff in mind I think that um, Nate is a, a solid coach and uh, yeah that's that's just my opinion I, I, I'd i love to hear what you think um, that's that's it for in terms of the Phoenix and, and, and Indiana game we have The Lakers coming up tomorrow, which will be a very tough matchup. I'm not sure if LeBron is playing. I I don't know the status of every player on the Pacers team as far as I know Victor and Malcolm will both be playing. Um, But with the Lakers, that is going to be a tough matchup, especially with the size. And starting right here, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into my conversation with Harrison and talking about the Lakers. Today, I'm joined by Harrison Fagan, He's the Lakers beat writer and the editor of Lakers SB Nation, better known as Silver Screening Roll, Harrison, how are you doing today, man? You know, I'm I'm doing good. We were talking a little bit before we got
1: on the air. Like, you know, you said that you were having, like, a pretty good day because you got to take your dog for a walk and go outside. Like, 2020, I think that qualifies. And, you know, like, I, I got to wake up this morning and just blog about basketball and not have a million stories break, at least yet. So, you know, like, it's uh it's been an all right day so far. I'm, I'm healthy and I'm employed. And, you know, like, that's, uh, like, above average for 2020, I would say.
0: Yeah, definitely. I uh, I consider myself lucky if I wake up and my dog is uh, not chewing on something or yeah, if I it, it's, it's been a wild year. To, to say well, yeah. Least.
1: I mean, actually, now that you say that, I got woken up by my cat trying to break into my room by scratching on the door. <laughs> so, um, you know, like hopefully my landlord doesn't listen to this podcast. But yeah, that Small was not things. actually the best wake up call, but I was all right. Yeah.
0: I feel that. That's funny. Um, so I think getting right into it, before we kind of boil down to the upcoming matchup on Saturday, and first of all, we're recording this on Thursday, so if any news breaks on Friday, it's not going to be covered today on this pod. Just letting <laughs> you know. Um, but I think I want to ask: What are your first like initial thoughts when when looking at the bubble and, and how you how you feel it's going? And uh, we don't we don't have to go into how the Lakers are doing yet. So I'm sure that's a completely different story. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, the bubble, honestly, like, I, I think it's, uh, you know, like, it's a little mixed, like, because I think, number one, like, on one hand, like, it's great to see that the Laker, or that, like, the, the plan is going well, and, like, you know, there's still, as of right now, no positive coronavirus tests within the bubble. Like, you know, they, they were, uh, the testing worked as it was intended to it seems to have kept the virus out of the bubble so far and you know like there's always a chance that it infiltrates via like you know like the because the Disney staffers aren't getting tested or whatever but it sounds like the NBA has like planned for basically every eventuality with this daily testing it seems like they're keeping everyone who is getting tested away from the people who are not and like literally like I was reading about how like after games like they uh, if they're bringing in Disney employees to the arena like they will literally like just round up everybody that's in the bubble and like get them out as quickly as possible no matter what they're doing and just like alright you guys gotta leave like people that are not being tested are coming in here they have different walkways for the people who are being in the bubble versus the people who are just working and not staying in the bubble like it's just you know like it's so well thought out and like you know as good of I think a return plan as you could have possibly put together which on the other hand is frustrating because it's like well if you can get this under control like this like we're again seeing that you know like that the country as a whole you know like again I don't want to get political on your podcast but just the country as a whole I will say could have probably responded better to this given what we are seeing from the NBA and like how much time there's been to ramp up testing and you know like obviously we would not be able to test the entire country daily like it's different situations obviously but it just I I think that it it just again proves that this could be handled better and hopefully gives hope for how we could do better moving forward it's almost like a test subject you know like on testing and how it can work and you know like it hopefully it just teaches you know even businesses that want to start getting better like how they can do that safely a little bit. And so, um, you know, like, yeah, it's good. And it's like, you know, it's also a little sad that like it's uh, in Florida where there's all these rising cases and nobody can get tested. And, you know, at least the NBA has worked a little bit to rectify that, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but it's just, that's kind of all the places my head bounces around to with the bubble.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I actually feel kind of similarly. It's kind of like a, it's bittersweet watching the games. You think about it and, you know, I, as you do, I spend my whole day covering stuff, writing, getting podcasts ready. Um, And it's just a microcosm of kind of like, well, you look at the bubble and you're like, wow, this is great. This is going really great. And then you look 10 miles outside the bubble. You're like, well, this is going to shit a little bit. Um, And it's, yeah, I don't even think it's necessarily, I mean, I guess you, everything is considered political now, but I think the way that you look at it, it is disappointing. You're like, wow. I mean, uh, in an organization that is not specialized in taking care of this stuff can, can take care of it at this level and the country can't so yeah i agree i hope that that yeah it's like what well, you would you of, would
1: but. want our government to ideally be better prepared
0: for something like this
1: than like a professional sports league but you know what you know economic factors and yeah like you know the nba like has a smaller amount of people to test obviously there are differences but um you know it's just disappointing it sums up that it's disappointing that we you know as a society have not done better on this
0: yeah definitely and uh hopefully hopefully just gets uh it it continues to improve it has not improved at least in Ohio where I'm at It's not it's uh going a little bit downhill again but
1: yeah California is like it got worse and worse and now it's like stagnant at the worst level but like at least it's not continuing to get worse so I'm hoping that you know at some point we'll rebound
0: yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of hoping we'll rebound, the Pacers have not rebounded well in the bubble um, because <laughs> Demarcus has been out. Was a but the team is—I actually am really happy with that. Uh, I was pretty proud of that. Um, the, the rebounding hasn't been the big issue. So looking at teams that are on the brink and hopefully looking at better, though, look at the Lakers a little bit. And mostly joking there, um, but I do want to hear your thoughts on, on what the team's doing so far because just my personal view. Obviously, not talking to the guys on the team, but from watching all the games, I think it's more just, I mean, the the one seat is locked up. You're not trying to play LeBron and AD 40 minutes a night. And you're just looking at lineups and rotations. Obviously you would prefer that they play a little better than they have. Like last night was the first time I've turned off a Lakers game in the fourth quarter in like a year. Um, so I, I'd love to get your insight and in, in what you think is uh, what you think of what the Lakers are doing right now. Yeah. It, it's kind of wild. Like it's not just
1: like, this is not, You know, everybody wants to chalk it up to just, like, lack of motivation now that they've chalked up the one seed. And, like, I do think there's an element of that, for sure. They've definitely played with less pop uh, as a team since the Clippers game. Like, it was very clear they wanted to win that one. You know, like, tie up the season series, kind of lock in the number one seed. Like, they still had to win one more game or have the Clippers lose one more, but it was basically locked up at that point. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, since then, their play has been a little lethargic. LeBron is very much Picking his spots like as the uh, you know as this goes on but it's not just that the team has locked it up like they are also shooting like th- your shots your shooting should not be dependent on your motivation necessarily like that's not something we normally associate with like is a team playing hard that's like how hard are they driving in the basket how many mm-hmm. fouls are they drawing how are they playing on defense like usually shooting is not a motivation thing like y- you can shoot well and have other things that indicate lack of motivation but like I don't think they're just like Kind of, you know, taking their shots to the side and just not caring. Like, you know, and they're shooting, they have the worst offense in the bubble. Uh, Their three point percentage has dropped like, I believe it's like 8% so far. I was looking at this last night. I believe last
0: night was the worst shooting night. Uh, It was. I don't have. It was their worst shooting night
1: of the season and worst three point shooting night of the season. Again, they have the worst offense in the bubble. Like this is beyond just motivation at this point. And I think you know there are a couple theories on it. Like I think for one, like this is a little bit more of an older veteran team. Their defense has actually gotten better in the bubble. Which you know if they're playing that hard on defense, like after four months off without you know, and this isn't a normal off season of like four months off where everybody can stay in an NBA gym, whatever, and like. Like, for a veteran team, it just may take them a little bit longer to fully get Mm -hmm. their legs back from that. And I think you might be seeing that a little bit on their shots. And, like, that's kind of my theory on that, at least. Uh, In addition to, like, I think there's a little bit of lack of motivation that's, like, helping. You know, they aren't, like, getting destroyed in these games. They lost, like, pretty badly to the Thunder last night. But, like, when they lost to the Raptors, that was a closer game than the final score really indicated. Toronto just kind of ran away from them in the fourth. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, that was a pretty tight game. Aim. and then they obviously destroyed the jazz and like won a tight one against the Clippers like I don't think that they're Like, I don't think this is unfixable, but it's definitely getting to the point where it's starting to be, like, slightly concerning. The starters have been really bad, and, uh, like, it's I believe they're, like, a minus 33 in net rating so far, and they've played, like, 30 more minutes total than any other lineup. Like, the new-look starters with Contavious Caldwell-Pope replacing Avery Bradley. Like, it just has... It's not the way I'm sure that they wanted to start the bubble, but it's also... I don't think it's something that's, like, not fixable, especially because so much of it is just, like, you can literally just chalk it up to they are not making shots.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because LeBron is also finishing at the rim the worst that he has in a long time. And I know he was down a little bit this season. Yeah, he was. um, But, yeah, down, like, I think it was his third worst at-rim finishing season. Uh, But, yeah, it's – I, I don't a I don't I don't know what your thoughts on it. I'm not in the Wash King variety I, I don't really believe in that I think he's looked incredible obviously I mean he's, he's 35 um, but no I uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play against Houston tonight that's gonna be a really tough matchup Houston yeah I my. Well, so.
1: My, my pet theory on this is that uh so I, I wrote my preview today for the houston game and like mm. I, I joked about this on twitter last night but i'm also not completely joking like i think they may have tanked the okc game a little bit they were three and oh against oklahoma city this year with three pretty convincing wins including one without anthony davis lebron james and danny green um you know against oklahoma city like i think that's a team who they have in that matchup despite last night and the last you know the the Rockets and the Thunder are right now kind of locked in a battle for the fifth seed and like thus ending up out of the Lakers bracket until um, or like, yeah, until the uh, like the conference finals. And so last night's win put the Thunder who have a tiebreaker ahead of the Rockets. And the last time the Lakers had a chance to influence their playoff bracket like this was a back to, in a back to back was it was two weeks before the season shut down and they played Memphis and then they played New Orleans and against Memphis, LeBron and Anthony Davis, Did play again like last night, but they didn't play a ton of minutes. They didn't look totally engaged the whole game, much like last night. And then everybody was like, oh man, like they're really in trouble. They're losing their legs. And the next night, LeBron comes out and drops a triple-double, like they could completely go off and just like leave no doubt against the Pelicans for the most part. And like to me, it just like it screamed like we would rather play the Grizzlies in the playoffs than the Pelicans. So we're gonna try and help them get in here. And I think that last night was giving me similar vibes. Well, obviously, see, like if they show up and they look just as terrible against Houston tonight, then okay, yeah, maybe like Houston, we have a problem. But like, you know, I think like until I see that how they play tonight, I'm not totally ready to pass judgment that that was not just a little bit of like a, you know, they weren't trying to lose the game, but they also weren't necessarily desperate to win it type vibes.
0: Yeah, no, chess not checkers. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's actually really funny not to like nerd out too much on it, but I don't know Have you watched the Rockets play already in the bubble.
1: I have not, but um, I, I did watch them like a little, I, I watched them more, I would say probably more than other teams before the bubble, but I've not yeah. watched them yet in the bubble.
0: Well, it'll be interesting because they are shooting like crazy from the corners and both uh, Portland played them a little bit differently, but the bucks, the way that they run their scheme, they always bring the low man into the, into the post uh, to contest any drive from a hard driver. So the corners were wide ass open and, and, I'm really interested to see how the Lakers play that because they don't traditionally play like that on defense. So I think it'll be interesting to see that. And they lost to the Houston small ball lineup uh, early in the yes, year. The, some the of that of The Houston small ball lineup.
1: It was like the day after the day of yeah. the tra- It was the day after the trade deadline, I think. Like, Yeah, and that was and, when
0: everybody's like Robert Covington is a better rim protector than Anthony Davis. And well, well, yeah. obviously, you know, the, the classic NBA Twitter takes. But yeah. Um, I'm excited because I think the Lakers are going to definitely come out with this one and just go come out swinging. And I I love watching the Lakers play. So it'll be, uh, it'll definitely be exciting.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'm i very curious to see the outcome of this game, too, just from, like, a, you know, like, state of the Lakers' perspective and, like, where they'll be, you know, as they finish out the stretch run because, like, they only have a couple games left before all of a sudden, like, you're playing real playoff games. And you, you can say, like, they're going to walk over whoever they play in the first round, but it's a lot easier to say that if they've shown, like, some signs of life other than that game against the Clippers and the Jazz.
0: Definitely. Uh, so looking – just, you know, more towards the, the individual matchup that's happening on Saturday. Uh, I want to hear what are your thoughts on the Pacers? Like, if you have any, I don't, I don't know. It's, it totally depends. Um, but I'd, I'd love to know what you're thinking of the Pacers, you know, maybe before the bubble and where you're at with them now, uh, just kind of from afar.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I have not – like, I was so, I was busy – like, you know, I was off yesterday and then I was busy getting ready for the Rockets game today. So, I've not dug in a, a ton on the Pacers yet and, like, how they've been in the bubble beyond, like, you know, the T.J. Warren, you know, like his uh, – are we calling it, like, Warren Sanity? Is there, like, a Lynn Sanity <laughs> name for it? Uh, I saw he's... somebody say T.J. Quarantine.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's pretty good. I haven't seen that one. He has been uh, monikered Filthy T by Pacers Twitter. So, we'll, uh, we'll see if that sticks. I'm not the biggest fan of that one, and I have a feeling TJ is probably not as well. Um, yeah, but- I
1: would never have, I would never have guessed that he would like, that's going to be like a trivia question in like 10 years. Like when they're talking like, you know, some like NBA nerd trivia show, it's like who had the first 50 point game in the NBA bubble. And like, it, like, it's going to be TJ Warren, which is kind of like, cra- like, I-, I know he can score like he, he not, like, I know he's like a good player, but it's just not the guy that you would expect to have the first 50 piece in the bubble. And, uh, you know, like that, I think they, uh, along with the Suns have probably been. the story of the bubble like uh, you know just in terms like in the complete opposite way of the Lakers like where they were kind of I think coming in and my impression is like people didn't really know kind of what they were going to do there was all this like is is Oladipo going to play is he not going to play like you know it just kind of seemed like a team that was kind of just floating in there and like they were going to be there but You know, it wasn't clear exactly what version of the team, how motivated they were to really, like, win this, or if they just were trying to regroup and get ready for next season and, you know, play out the string. Like, you know, at least that was my impression from afar. And then, obviously, they've been, you know, one of the best teams in the bubble so far. And I I was honestly curious and was going to ask you, just because, you know, like, we're all prepping for this over here, like, what you think uh like is behind like this team kind of you know coming out like this in uh like in the bubble and like what left them uniquely suited to success in this kind of like weird unprecedented environment
0: yeah uh that's a great question i think number one uh having victor back is huge uh because like you mentioned it was a total swing of emotions i remember uh, i was i think i was hanging out with my girlfriend on july 3rd and that news dropped about Victor and i'm like I'm sorry i have to go record a podcast right yeah. now and uh it's it was totally wild uh the whole like just speculation and then it drops again he's like well i might play um, and luckily things have worked out and he's been healthy he's not playing back to back still um but he's he's looked good he's still not fully back to himself but uh, just the point is i mean you, you looked at it and then Sabonis is announced as being out with plantar fasciitis, and uh, he's a he's got the indefinite label. Which, in all honesty, he didn't even practice during individual workouts in, in Indiana. So, I am not at all hopeful that he will come back at any point. Uh, obviously, that's all speculation. But and even if part, he
1: did, like. How, how would he even look exactly, like if you missed exactly. that much time like on top of what everybody else has already missed like yeah I mean like I think we're you know not to sorry not to cut you no, off but, like we're, we're going through similar questions with Rajon Rondo where like he missed basically all of like you know he obviously missed the same amount of time as everyone else and then he came back he went into the bubble but he's missed basically all of training camp because he broke it he broke his finger the second day and like then they're going to try and reintegrate him for like a second round series is like as soon as he could be back like that's crazy to me and so I would imagine it's a similar question for Sabonis like how long can you go without playing organized basketball and like actually come in and make an impact in an NBA game if you're not like a super duper star
0: yeah exactly it's uh it's it's a it's really odd to look at because you know just I I am generally a pretty pessimistic pessimistic person so I was going I was like okay this team is looking to just survive no injuries and get out of here um, but now, I mean, especially just after the Philly game, I remember I didn't even get to watch the Philly game in real time. I was, uh, I think I was recording a podcast for, uh, another thing I was doing and then I got out of it. And my, my dad texted me. He's like, you see how TJ Warren has like 44 points. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so I turned on the game and, and they, I watched the, the rest of the fourth quarter. Obviously I caught the, the rest of the game uh, later that night when it came out on lead pass. Um, but no, it's, it's crazy. I think a lot of it has just been, a, I mean, this team is playing very differently from from how they normally play. Uh, TJ rarely plays the four, and now he's the starting four. Um... The spacing is completely different. And it's not even to say that it, they're better with without Sabonis. I think it's just That's teams what don't, I was gonna ask. Yeah. Is
1: that a Sabonis There's, thing? Because we're kind of seeing a similar thing with the Spurs where Lamarcus mm-hmm. Aldridge, like this guy that you'd consider one of their better players normally, sits out and all of a sudden the team's playing smaller and they look a lot better. Like I, I think sometimes that stuff is like prone to small sample size, where mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean most small units are gonna look better at first but then what happens when the smaller guy runs out of energy to defend bigger players like you know do you see some ill effects from that down the line like type of thing
0: yeah it's interesting because there I've seen people like posit that online the team's better without the bonus I actually had somebody ask me yesterday if, if I thought that this was like grounds for being able to break up the quote-unquote twin towers with him in Miles Trier. Yeah. and I was like it's been three games we need to we need to hold it a little bit um I think I'm hopeful that they'll continue to play well because there have been some really positive signs. They have the sixth best offense in the bubble currently as of I think it was yesterday, so it probably has changed slightly. But, um, I mean, yeah, just the driving lanes are completely open. Uh, normally it's a lot of the elbow dribble, dribble handoffs and, and, and plays run through Sabonis. Um, but now it's just completely drive and kick, get the ball open to as many open shooters as possible. They're close to leading the league in passes uh, in the bubble. And it's just been really awesome to see the defense has been pretty solid, but the rebounding is something I'm worried about, especially against the Lakers. I well, mean, yeah, against- that's what
1: I, yeah, I, I was going to say that was going to be my next point. My next like kind of thing was like, you know, you're talking about the benefits of playing small and I'm thinking about like, how does this, what does this mean for their matchup with the Lakers and how they match up with them? Like, I think, there is going to be an interesting philosophical, like we're going to get some answers on, you know, like the Pacers, I think, and like how, how, you know, tenable this small ball is against a team that's like a little bit bigger. I mean, obviously the Sixers are a big team too, and like they they, they did all right against them. Um, but like the Lakers, you know, they have – you know to I think some criticism from fans and like they uh, you know obviously when it looks bad when you have two big men in there it looks really bad and so like it's an easy thing to criticize and kind of get confirmation bias about of like oh they're missing threes it's because JaVale McGee is out there and like they don't have enough shooters on the floor and the spacing's cramped and whatever but when it works and the Lakers have won you know they, they've won 50 games this year 51 games uh, I've, I've blanking on the record off the top of my head. But um, like the Lakers have been really good this year and they've started two big men that entire time and like part of that is just it's not even just in traditional ways of like that you think about having two big guys and how that advantages you in terms of like offensive rebounding and stuff like that and pushing guys under the basket and getting putbacks like there has been some of that and there's also been some of like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard like getting to take advantage of easy putbacks because you know the defense is crashing in on AD or the crashing in on LeBron and trying to stop them from getting a layup and then all of a sudden like you know Dwight Howard or JaVale is open for either a lob or a easy put back on the other side of the basket and so that's benefited them but it's also like they've just been so big and physical like just in terms of how hard they hit you like how exhausting it is to try and get a shot against them in the paint like and I think that that over the course of a series does like take even more of a toll I would imagine and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot as they like head towards the playoffs is yeah teams may be able to like you know outrun them for one game but at some point like I think it's going to wear them down like having to defend these bigger guys or the Lakers are going to have to go small because right now like especially the big lineups not worked like like i mentioned earlier their starters have been awful dwight has not looked like himself outside of like a pretty limited spurt against the jazz and then he missed last night with a knee injury that didn't even get reported until the day of the game and so like i don't know what his status is like as of right now i don't know how serious that knee injury is they've been pretty coy on like how much they've told us about it um like at least as of yet that could they could obviously give like a full medical update by the time we're done recording this podcast but um (laughs) you like uh they you know they their big lineups have not looked good. They've looked at their best when they've gone small with AD at the five, which is something that a lot of people thought that they would have to do a lot more going into the playoffs and like even more this season than they have. And so like, you know, it does, like, I think this is going to be an, uh, their matchup with the Pacers is going to be like another interesting test for now that the Pacers are smaller. Can they still impose their style of play and uh, like on another team, or are they going to be forced to go smaller to match up again?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I have a couple points off that. I think, number one, uh, I really like what the Lakers have done, and I'm not super surprised. That, I mean, because Frank Vogel was here. Um, I loved Frank as a coach. I'm sure you have. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him as well. But uh, I uh, I wasn't super surprised that they've been big most of the year just because of that and their personnel. Uh, I, I think that the idea – like, I think – Obviously, there are some crunch time lineups where AD will play the five. But the idea that he should be playing the five, like I, I'm sure you're used to it now because people always throw around, well, AD doesn't play the five. And he's like soft or something like that. And I think people yeah. don't realize the sheer uh, difference of physicality and, and – uh force that you put on your body just by playing up a position like because ad is not really a true five i mean he's built like he's close he's 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 like like as close
1: as you can be without being a four it's interesting because we talk about playing small with the lakers and like ad is like he's very close to traditional five size he's got the height he's pretty close in terms of like the build of a lot of for a lot of teams he would be like a a pretty average like in terms of size starting center like Mm -hmm. in just you know like uh like width wise strength wise like height wise but like he's still a little smaller than the biggest like than most teams starting fives and even if those guys aren't that good like they aren't the guys that you would like traditionally associate with like bullying teams like that just takes a physical toll just getting hit in the chest all game getting hit from behind trying to box out on rebounds like especially for a guy that like has had as many Knicks and whatever as like AD has had throughout his career I think that especially in the regular season it was the smart approach to even if you lost something to play him at the four a little bit more and I really don't think that for most of the year the Lakers lost something I think it's actually been an advantage uh for most of the year it has not in the bubble so far but for most of the year it actually like was something that more often than not was something they were kind of forcing other teams to throw more big guys onto the floor or bullying them for not doing so
0: yeah, exactly. Also, be careful saying Knicks and AD in the same sentence. Um, but, uh, I, I will say I'm not that worried about that. But, <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm not either. I just mean you, you never know. Aggregation. A, a trigger warning for any <laughs> Lakers fans that crossed yes. over to
1: listen to this one.
0: Exactly. Um, but, no, ex- like, especially what you're talking about with forcing teams to play their style, that's something I'm really worried about with the Pacers because right now they're running one and a half big men. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> they have Miles Turner, and he's solid. Uh, he struggles sometimes defending really awesome post-up players because he doesn't have a lot of lower body strength. Or the good news is the Lakers relatively. don't have
1: any of those, so yeah. he should be like, all
0: right. <laughs> that's something I'm uh, – but I will be in- interested to see if Anthony Davis tries to just go at him because if you can get Miles in foul trouble, then this team is in trouble because you look at the matchups and the lineups, I mean, I, I presume Miles will defend uh, AD, but then who the hell is defending JaVale McGee? Um, because I, 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 mean, I, I'm just going to be honest, TJ Warren is not big enough to defend JaVale McGee. I think that there's potential that, uh, maybe Jakar Sampson will be in the starting lineup because the, I mean, we haven't been running like that, but, uh, even then Jakar Sampson's six, seven, like 220 pounds against seven foot two seventy McGee. Like that's, and JaVale can, if he's got a matchup against somebody who's way smaller than him, he can bully them in the post. Like he's good enough to do that. Um, and then, Or at
1: least, like, on the offensive glass and yeah, like, exactly. getting opportunity, like, freeing himself up vertically for lob, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, he, he's been, he's more good at that guy. like, the Lakers very rarely post up JaVale McGee because that's just not super his game. Like, they do yeah. give him a couple, like, token kind he's of po- – He's been like, trying the Skyhook.
0: Yeah, he's he – you know, the, honestly,
1: yeah. it was funny. He, uh, he got, like, a yeah, he got the video book or Kareem. book of some kind from Kareem on, like, the Skyhook. And, you know, we were all joking about it going in, and then he actually started trying them in games. And it's not – gone super well so far (laughs) but uh you know maybe 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 india the indiana game is the breakout for the javel skyhook experience
0: i don't know man we'll see it seems possible but (laughs) that's because what i'm looking at right now going into this i think uh i would bet tj ends up getting the matchup on lebron because there's nobody with the same size who can go up against him two Um, of the best wings
1: in the bubble like tj warren and And tj (laughs)
0: is a very solid defender he really amped it up i mean he was not a good defender in phoenix um, but he has really become a quality defender with Indiana. But LeBron is it's going interesting to be a tough how matchup.
1: players usually get better after they leave Phoenix. But uh, you know, other than the <laughs> yeah. undefeated like, start I mean, in the bubble, how,
0: we're just throwing hooks left and right to teams with bad ownership. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I think our guard play is the one thing I am excited about. I mean, I think Danny Green will be a tough matchup for whoever he takes, I don't know if he'll take Victor because normally he doesn't take like the, he doesn't normally take the quicker guard, right?
1: No, he's, he, and he's not a very good man defender anymore. Mm -hmm. Like he is a very, very, like he is like to the point of like being like almost criminally underrated, I think as a help defender, like Mm -hmm. he just has great instincts there. Like he's pretty good at chasing guys around like off screen stuff like, like he's good at everything, but guarding his man straight up, like on defense, he's probably one of like, I know this is going to sound like hyperbole, but he's like literally one of the best transition defenders in league history. Like as a guard, he's just like incredible at getting in front of guys, like, you know, blocking shots, affecting shots, whatever. Like, it's just this weird, like almost rain man esque skill that Mm -hmm. he has where he's like one of the best in the league at just like stopping transition opportunities like by himself. And, uh, but yeah, he's not like a man. Like I would, I would highly doubt that he gets, uh, that would probably, I will say that's probably going to be KCP. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how well that will go either but he's a little bit better suited for it. if kcp is still in the starting lineup and it's not out. yeah because he got did he get
0: injured last night i know against the he Thunder, did get hit he, he a took a shot
1: bit. to the ribs but mm-hmm. kcp all like he literally has not missed a game in a laker uniform and uh other than uh he has not missed a game for health reasons I, he missed games for uh you know the uh the, the the jail experience a couple of years ago. And, uh, but like he has not missed a single home game or like a single game for health reasons. And he basically always suits up. And so I would expect him to play. The starters have just been so bad that I don't necessarily know if I expect him to be in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah. Okay. That'll be interesting. Um, But yeah, so I think that's where maybe the Pacers will have an advantage in guard play. Uh, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is one of the best drivers in basketball. He's not one of the best finishers in basketball, but in terms of (laughs) what he Gets out of the drives. He's really good at, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really just hoping this team jacks from three because I think that's the only way that uh, they're going to have a great chance against LA because I think the rebounding is going to be even tighter. Uh, and by tighter, I mean even worse uh, than it was against Philly and against Philadelphia. I believe this team got out rebounded by 29. Uh, so that is
1: kind of astounding. Yeah, I would yeah. say that's a red flag. And the going team in won. The so that's why I'm yeah. like,
0: I'm pretty uh, like I, I, I hate saying worried or concerned or whatever just because it's, you know, it's basketball. But, um, yeah, I do think that is a definite concern uh, heading into this game. Yeah, I think the Lakers, obviously, like, that, they, you know, probably, like, if we're
1: going, like, down the matchup card, like, that's probably check, like, advantage Lakers. But the three thing is real. Like, unless they're three-point, like, unless they're three-point shooters, uh, like, get back to, like, just league average. Like, like, they haven't even been close to that. Like, and if they can't, then at some point, like, you're not even just playing against your opponent. You're playing against math. Yeah, and, like, sure math, math is kind of undefeated. So, like, mm. I-, I think, like, their, their three-point shooters are going to have to at least get back to, like, being at least passable or a little bit close to it because otherwise like you know they can out it's like Philly did like they can out rebound all they want but like if they just can't hit any threes like at some point the three is worth more than two and the if the pacers are hitting a bunch of threes then like it's no matter how dominant you are in the paint it's just going to be hard to keep up with that unless you're just you know getting fouled all the time or whatever like and you're able to impose your will that way or you're just getting layup after layup after layup and it's just so much more efficient than the threes that you're able to you know make things work but you just make it a lot harder on yourself when you're shooting as badly as the Lakers have been
0: yeah exactly um, and it's funny because the Pacers have really experienced that because going into uh, this bubble experience they're 30th in the league at three-point attempt rate and now we're at 11th in three-point attempt rate and it's just night and day and I, granted that's 11 out of 22 teams um, although well, we're tied for 11th, at least that was the other day we were tied with Thunder. but even um, still, even if it was middle of just, the pack, so like you're so 15th of
1: 30, like, like that's still, you know, like, uh, like that, that's still a massive improvement over 30.
0: Like, exactly. And so we've seen that, but I mean, if this team shot the amount of threes that we normally do against Philadelphia, we lose by 15, like it's yeah. that simple. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm really excited for this matchup. I will be honest. I'm not anticipating Pacers win, Um, but especially I think what I'm looking at is if the Lakers don't shoot well again against Houston tonight, then I am not excited for how they shoot against the Pacers because, again, like you said with math, It's undefeated, and so the numbers do come back up eventually and balance out, so it'll... uh... You would think, but I think right now
1: there are real physical... Like, this is Mm -hmm. not just, like, an aberrant... Like, you know, like, like Danny Green has become, like, kind of the poster child for this among Lakers fans this year, of there'll be games where he goes five of six, and then he'll go one of six, and, like, that's just averages and math, and that's how math works, but, like, like, for... Lakers, like right now, I think there are real tangible reasons that they're missing threes. And I think it's like the stuff that we talked about. It's the, you know, ramping back up. It's the tired legs. It's a little bit of like adjusting to new teammates, like not maybe not getting the passes that you're as used to and stuff like that. So like, I think on some level, like there are actual reasons for them to be shooting this bad. And so like that, you know, that may not just bounce right back like those are things that have to be figured out before they can get it back and again like i may look like an idiot if all of a sudden they shoot 40 percent tonight against uh against houston or something from three but because at some point you would think they will figure it out and they will mm-hmm. pop again like you know they don't really sound worried anthony davis literally said he's like at some point we're just going to hit 20 to 25 threes and people aren't going to talk about this anymore. i'm hoping
0: it's tonight like, and not on yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't blame you uh because they're, when they're hitting their threes they're really dangerous but yeah i mean i would I would still like say, you know, the Lakers will probably win this one. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I like this matchup for them. But again, like if they like do not come in with the requisite effort or engagement or they just keep missing threes, like, you know, this could get interesting really quick, especially with, you know, you mentioned like the guard advantages that the Pacers have. The Lakers, you know, did not do well against quick guards, even with Avery Bradley. And like, you know, with him out, like they've really struggled against these quick guards so far in the bubble. And, you know, like that could potentially be an issue at some point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have a, a lot to look forward to, man. I'm really excited. Uh, so, you know, kind of uh, in closing a little bit, what do you, what do you, what do you have going up this weekend? Obviously, you have, you have your wedding coming up this weekend, which that's really exciting. Yes. Uh, do you have any like projects or anything coming up too, or like what, what all are you looking forward to? The next no, one?
1: I mean, to be honest, today is my last day on the clock before mm-hmm. I, uh, before I like go finish getting ready for, uh, for like a wedding ceremony and stuff for a quarantine wedding. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, uh, yeah, I mean the, the last big thing I imagine, unless something crazy comes from tonight's game, uh, was the, uh, like kind of look at the Lakers offensive struggles. Uh, so far you can look at that. That's on silver screen Like you can find all of my work. Um, um, but yeah, like no no huge projects coming up like right now. I mean I'm just like honestly we're just trying to gear up for the playoffs and get ready to uh you know cover our first playoff team. I, I've never no I've never covered a Lakers playoff team. No one on my staff has, like, you know, and we've all been here for like years uh, it's just been like a long struggle to for the team to get back to this point and so I, I think we're all just excited to actually get that we were all really excited to get to cover a good team but I think right now we're seeing what happens sometimes down the stretch for a good team which is yeah. uh, you know they stop locking in quite as much and you know I, I think there's some real problems here but some of this is just like waiting for the playoffs uh, too like LeBron is definitely Kind of uh, taking it a little bit easy in games at various points, and so we'll see when he decides that he wants to ramp back up. If he waits till the first round, or if you know it's at some point tonight, or against uh, the Pacers here, but um, you know, just like uh, yeah, just SilverScreenRoll.com. That's where all my coverage is. I'm proud of our team that we have over there as well. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate the invite to come on, and I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I'm curious to see how it goes, even though I probably will not get to watch it live.
0: I'm excited as well, man. Uh, Harrison, thank you for coming on. To everyone listening at home, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify and uh, go and read us over at IndieCornrows.com. Have a good rest of your day.